Najee Harris, bottom of your screen. Pickett looking the other way. Throwing end zone. Wide open. Caught. Touchdown. Potter Hayward. And boy, is that sweet. His first NFL touchdown. Hello and welcome to The Real Steel. I'm your host, Jeff Schmidt, recording this episode on vacation from the Dominican Republic. And joining me, as always, my co-host, back on U.S. soil, Polt. So we apologize in advance for any recording issues with the Wi-Fi. Hopefully things uh, hold up just fine, but still had to bring all the listeners an episode. And it's going to be a good one after a win. It always is. The Steelers are playing December ball, and we're officially in the playoff hunt. How does that sound to you, Polt? Yeah, it sounds great. I saw that stat on uh, ESPN last night during Monday Night Football, and that was pretty cool to see. I'm also happy we have five wins. We're inching closer to that over seven, Mark. There you go. That's right. That's a big one for you. Get that over seven, make some money. And I don't think we want to blow this out of proportion, right? Realistically, I think we probably have, I think it's like a 5% chance that we actually make the playoffs. You know, I think it would really take us to probably win out over the next five games or, or lose you know, just one of them, win four of them. Um, I I don't think we're in a good position here with some of the tiebreakers in terms of how they would shape up. But, you know, I'm I'm not really concerned about that. I think what we're most concerned with is that the main story is that, you know, Kenny Pickett is progressing. The defense is playing a little better with TJ being back. And for what most would really consider this to be a throwaway season um, or call it, you know, a rebuilding or a transition year, we could finish, you know, better than we thought so I think that's that's a plus yeah I mean you say it is pretty low percentage and and that's probably not the goal for the rest of the year to make the playoffs but this would be a kind of Steelers thing to do we only play one more team that's that's has a winning record right we play the Ravens twice mm-hmm. and and even then that's this upcoming week as we'll touch on later but they don't have Lamar Jackson and and they don't look like that dominant of a team either so we have five games that are really winnable and I don't know. Maybe maybe we win all five and end the end the season ten and seven. I don't know if we actually do that, but it, the possibilities are there. So we'll have to see how it goes. It would be a very Steelers thing for sure, a very Mike Tomlin thing for sure. So we'll yeah. see where it goes. But let's let's just break this game down a little bit against the Falcons. Obviously, we had a nineteen to sixteen win in Atlanta on Sunday, and I think we posted a pretty good first half again. I mean, we had four drives. And four scores, opening with a, a field goal on our first drive. That's not counting, you know, the final play, which we had a handoff going into halftime. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And, yes, we had a lot of field goals um, right. as opposed to touchdowns. I think that's something we can touch on as well. But, you know, for the most part, we moved the ball pretty well in the first half. 16-play, um, 47-yard drive, 12-play, 58-yard drive, 4-play, 75-yard drive, 9-play, 45-yard drive. So we did a good job moving the ball, getting points on the board, and and I was pretty pleased uh, with that half. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going a whole half without having to bring out Presley Harvin was was definitely good. Um, four drives, if, if you don't include that one at the end of the half, and and four scoring drives. I think that's a pretty good, solid half. And and although the the score might have been close, we definitely were dominating that first half. At least it seemed right. It seemed like so. Yeah, I was I was pretty happy with that, for sure. Yeah, there was one thing that one of the announcers said that I thought was really interesting as we were kind of putting together a couple of those long drives. Um, I think he said that we lead the league in 10-plus play drives. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. I meant to I meant to say that as well. It's pretty crazy. I mean, I guess that shows that we aren't really that explosive and we have to methodically work our way down the field. But yeah, we had two of those. We had three of them in the game, two of them in the first half, a 16 play and a 12 play, as well as a 14 play drive. So yeah, a lot of long drives. Long drives, but with a rookie quarterback, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, I no. think as the season progresses in these last five games and, you know, moving into the future seasons, I feel like you would start to see more explosive plays take place as more chemistry gets developed between some of these receivers. You're able to expand Kenny's playbook and the things that he can call and run. So, you know, to have long sustained drives is, is not a bad thing. It's a good point, right? You know, we're, we're yeah. not having those explosive plays, but I, I think it's pretty interesting. They also mentioned that we were seventh in time, time of possession in the hmm. league. And that was also interesting to me as well, given that, Really early on when we talked on this podcast, that was one of the things that we really struggled with was our time of possession and our defense being on the field so much. So it's good to see a little bit of a, you know, flipping the script that's going on there. Yeah, for sure. We were getting dominated while we were losing games was because we were giving up uh, too much time. Our defense was on the field for too long early in the season. So it's, it's good that we're changing that. And, and we're really changing that by, by trying to start up a, a running game. And, and we dominated again this week in, in the running game. So, so that was good. Yeah. So a, a good first half overall. I mean, I, I was very pleased with how it went. It sounds like you were too. Yeah. We move into the second half. You know, we open by forcing a punt on the Falcons. We put together that 14-play drive that you said, 75 yards, get another field goal. We're up 19-6. Then things kind of just start to go sour. I would right. say, right. We let up a touchdown. It was a, I think it was a long drive. Um, then we have a three and out Then we let up a field goal. And next thing you know, you know, we're up by three points. And so there was some frustration that happened in, in some of those drives, anything to you stand out there um, in terms of play calling or, or just kind of what you were going through at that time? Yeah. Uh, they were, they were kind of tough drives, right? I mean, the three and out really, really was tough for us after we gave up the long the long touchdown drive and let them get closer um we had the incomplete pass or it was a short pass to pickens and then an end around a gunner olszewski on on second and eight and we've talked about that all season how how much we hate these long second down i don't know what jet sweeps or just the jet sweeps in general to your backup punt returner Mm -hmm. um and then it was just a it was an incomplete pass there was a pass to deontay johnson that he he then fumbled but I think they, they called it back. It wasn't actually a fumble because he – oh, they called it a drop pass. That's right. And uh, it was just – there was nothing on the drive, and that kind of stalled us, and that wasn't good. But we were able to come out later in the right. game and, and kind of run the clock out, which was which was really good. Not yeah. fully run the clock out, but we had a after the three and out. And I guess we should mention that was our only three and out of the game, which True. I don't know if we've had another game this season where we've only had one three and out. But, you know, we get the ball back after after giving up a field goal. And, and we go nine plays, 35 yards, not a lot, but nine plays and took off four minutes and 45 seconds off the clock and pinned them within within the two on the two-yard line. So right. I, I think that was another drive where we kind of stalled out the game and, and, and finished the game with our, with our offense, which is good to see again. Yeah, long drive in terms of time. You know, we bring right. it under two minutes. We make them burn their timeouts. Um, it it was an interesting decision that we elected to punt, but looking back, it was the right decision. I mean, 
obviously yeah. frustrated in that moment. You want to be aggressive. You want to try and kick a field goal. Um, but, you know, knowing that it's Matthew Wright that's out there, who has been playing really well, very consistent for us. So no complaints there. But I think it was actually a good coaching decision by Tomlin to take the penalty, run as much time off the clock as you can. And boy, what a great punt by Presley Harvin, arguably his best punt of the entire season. Um, really great play and, and to pin them down on the two yard line or the one. I think it was the two, but to it was them, on the two. Yeah. Yeah. To pin them right there. I mean, that was awesome. I feel like very rarely do we watch these games where we see Presley have a punt like that, where it bounces perfectly how you would want it. And the, the, the you know, the punting team can go down and, and down the ball there. So that was great to see. Yeah, and we've been really hard on on Presley Harvin uh, most of this season, but we have to we have to give him credit. He had that one punt that you're talking about to to basically ice the game, allowed us to bring out a little bit of pressure. Cam Hayward blew up their center, and Minka was able to read it and make a great play on it. Um, but also earlier in the game, after the three and out, only his his first punt of the game, it was a 47 yard punt, which doesn't seem crazy, but he put the Falcons down to their own 26. Which which forced them to go nine minutes to to score a field goal mm-hmm. um, and make it nineteen to sixteen. So uh, it was pretty big that he played really well, and we had to give him some credit where credits due. And I think you talk about Matthew Wright. I'm pretty sure I saw something that he's made like ten field goals in a row after missing the the first one with the with the Steelers. So yeah, great stuff by him. Uh, he definitely looked a little shaky in that first game, but he's I think really he was two of four in that first game. You're right. He missed his he missed two. Yeah. yeah. And he's really solidified that kicking rule with, with Boswell out. So it's great to see that. I mean, he was the, our leading scorer on Sunday. So that was, that was great. Yeah. Worth mentioning here in Tomlin's press conference this week, he did say that, you know, Chris Boswell's four weeks are up is minimum on IR on IR. So yeah. he could be ready to return soon. I'm not sure if he will get his you know practice window opened or if he'll get activated ahead of the game. We'll have to monitor that, but, you know, like we said in our last episode, we saw him run into the locker room. It seems like he's getting better, so we might expect to see him soon. And maybe Matthew Wright hangs on our practice squad, or you know, gets picked up somewhere else. But we've we've gotten production out of him to a point where we can't complain. I mean, we've won three of our last four games, so yeah, it's, it's a, a good spot to be in. Um, let's talk a little bit of our. You know, I have some notes here on my likes and my dislikes from the game, and this okay. will maybe, you know bring up a couple good talking points that we have. Sure. Um, let's let's start with the negatives. I just want to bring up some of my dislikes that I have. Sure. Um, something that really irked me, I was really frustrated by, was the last play that we had of the first half. There were about thirty seconds that were left on the clock. Granted, we were on our own 14-yard line, so we would have had to drive the entire field to go down and put points on or, you know, to try and get a touchdown would have been 86 yards. To get a field goal would have been pretty long, too, and knowing that you might have to get a little bit closer with Matthew Wright. But what challenges me is that we had three timeouts, and we had been playing pretty well. Kenny was making good throws. We were having 16 drives. And I just thought to myself, you know, with this much time on the clock, 30 seconds, three full timeouts, guys like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, even Tom Brady, these guys are going to try and go for it to put points on the board. Even if you, you know, throw a couple balls to the sidelines and it doesn't work out or, you know, you get 20, 30 yards and you get a chance to attempt a 50, 60 yard field goal. Teams are going to do that. So I, I was frustrated when that happened. Um, knowing that the way we close out games is not the best. 
Yeah, although this year we actually somehow have closed out games. But, no, you're right. That was – after kicking three field goals in the first half and only scoring – only getting one touchdown on all those drives, it was tough with three three timeouts in your pocket just to sit back and be that that conservative. I mean, I guess I get it. You don't want to make a mistake or you don't want to make Kenny to, to push it downfield. But I would have liked to have seen them try at least. I mean, it's not like they were going to give the ball back. And if they did, the Falcons weren't going to do anything. So I agree. I, I wish we would have been more aggressive and at least tried or made an attempt to do something and, and see what happens. But I think Tomlin's been pretty conservative this year. Yeah. So my other dislike here, you mentioned it, was on the Gunner jet sweep play call. Yeah. I think it, at that point in the game, we were averaging over five yards of rush. We were running the ball really well. Yeah. It was just a, an, an awful play call, I think. You know, some of this opens up a little bit of a dialogue here for us to talk about Matt Canada and some of our thoughts. I think, you know, what we're seeing is Kenny playing well and Kenny progressing and and getting better each game. Yeah. But this is Matt Canada's offense for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Gunner, Gunner had two carries for a grand total of two yards. Um and we had the the Zach Gentry pass again, one catch for for eight yards. Some of the play calling, I completely agree. Is still, it's still tough to look at. It's still tough to watch, and a lot of it doesn't make sense. He seems to take us out of rhythm when we're finally in rhythm, and and it's yeah. really tough. I, I just don't feel like he has a good way to. He doesn't have a good feel for a flow of, of the game, how to call plays, and it's tough. But I think this is an important time to bring up that if, if things continue going the way they're going i i see it being very very possible and likely even that matt canada will be the coordinator in 2023 and we've we've spent how many weeks talking about how we hope they fire him or he needs to be fired this and that i think he's coaching himself into an offensive coordinator role in the pittsburgh steelers in 2023 for better or for worse i think that's just what's going to happen which is wild i mean our past few episodes we may not have highlighted as much about him as we did in some of our earlier ones. And, yeah. You know, before the bye, we said, golly, this, this guy's not going to make it through the bye. There's no way he's getting fired right, you know, on that Tuesday that, that the bye week happens. Right. That didn't happen. And then we're like, okay, well, he's going to get fired at the end of the season. And I mean, we're not, we still don't have you know, the point production and and the yardage production. I mean, Kenny's averaging probably like 200 yards a game where you see some of these big name quarterbacks are probably closer to 300. Um, You know, he's thrown for one touchdown a game. It's not like we're, you know, converting in the red zone or converting to get touchdowns. We're getting a lot of field goals, like we mentioned. So that's one of the issues with the offense. But yeah, I mean, he has one year left on his contract, which, which is next year. I think that's a big piece of the puzzle too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I would hate to see it happen, but again, I mean, it's very likely in terms of what you said, and and he has a whole coaching staff that he built underneath him. So, well, and I think Matt Canada's life as a Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator really lives and dies with with Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. If Kenny if Kenny continues to play the way he is and and takes care of the ball and and doesn't turn it over, we continue to be competitive and and put up you know, over 20 points a game or near 20 points a game, I think they're going to be complacent and, and just keep him. I mean, if you look at it, though, our, our record when, when we have zero turnovers, we're 5-1. and one. Yep. Our record when we have one-plus turnover, we're 0-6. It's really all about taking care of the ball, and a lot of it has to do with the, the youth of Kenny Pickett and, and the rest of this team. So 
I, I think that's really where where it lives and dies with with Matt Canada. It's it's the continued development of Kenny Pickett. Yeah, and one piece of the puzzle there might be: Does Kenny actually like Matt Canada? And, True. And, and I don't think we'll ever know that because Kenny seems like the guy that you know in his press conferences he goes up, he takes ownership when we lose a game that is clearly not on him. He takes ownership of you know, doing things better where it might be on a receiver in some cases. So he's a, he's a stand-up guy and he doesn't seem like one who's going to throw anyone under the bus or, or talk, you know, crap on anyone. So yeah. I don't know if we'll ever actually know that, but if there is chemistry between the two of them and there's, you know, Matt Canada might actually be a good coach for Kenny or, you know, I don't know what that's like, but that's another piece of the puzzle that, you know, who knows if that's the case and there is chemistry there, then yeah. I mean, it's pretty likely that he'll stay. Yeah. So. Agreed. Do you want to flip this into some of the positives we saw yeah. from the Let's offensive side of the ball? Do you want to so, start or do you want me to go? Yeah, I have I have some comments to make. I mean, just to I just touched on the our record when we don't turn the ball over. This is actually four straight games where we haven't turned the ball over. And and that's actually a historic stat in the franchise. I don't think we've been on a four-game streak of no turnovers in the entire history of the team. The modern day record. For our franchise, whatever modern day means, but it's, it's right a franchise record, so, which yeah. is huge. I mean, that's awesome, especially with a, a rookie quarterback, and we're winning the we're winning these games. Which is, I mean, we lost to the Bengals, but we're winning the games. Um, so that that's great. Let's hope they can keep that up. The other big thing is, and I think this is another reason why Matt Canada might be able to stay. We're really we're really pushing ourselves to 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 play through the run. And we're becoming a running football team like Rooney had said he wanted to be. And like mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin has said he wanted to be. In fact, since the bye, the Steelers are third in rushing attempts in the NFL, fifth in rushing yards, tied fourth in rushing touchdowns. They have six touchdowns since the bye um, on the ground, which for how little touchdowns we have for the season, it's pretty impressive that we have six rushing touchdowns. And then they're 10th in, in yards per carry um, at 4.6, which isn't a, a crazy great clip clip but it's, it's still number. pretty good yeah. so i mean we've run the ball 140 times since the bye and, and like we've talked about all year that's the recipe for success with a rookie quarterback that's what we did with ben roethlisberger that's what a lot of teams try to do with young guys and and i think this has been really good to see out of the offense and that might be why matt canada is staying because he he is calling a much better game right and and i'll build on that the turnover piece is is huge but i yeah. think it you know, I, I don't want to skim over the fact that it's it's Kenny here with no turnovers. We watched how he played in some of his early games, right? And his yeah. interception to touchdown ratio was atrocious. I think does he have nine interceptions on the season? I, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what the number is. I want to say nine, but he, you know, a number of interceptions that he threw in the beginning and he's, he's eight. Eight, okay. And so he's gone four games now without throwing any interceptions i mean his decision making as we've talked about has has improved significantly his passer rating has gone up every game yep. and we're really doing some things right as an offense i think like he's looking to pat frymuth on third downs for these longer completions we're utilizing yep. Derek watt they said on tv that he was five for five this year on third and ones finally you know, where's that been we've been calling yeah. for that yeah so there's some really good things finally starting to click with the offense so um, you know, we can round out our like list here with a balls of steel player. That's what I'm going to do. And I'll, I'll let you go next. If, if there's anything you want to add Sure. But just while we're here, I'm, I'm going to give mine to Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, there was some really good offensive play that we talked about, but 
Minka led the team in tackles, seven tackles, one tackle for for loss, pass defended. Of course, he had the game-winning interception to ice the game, and I think the best part about that was the pure unselfishness behind that play. The fact that he ran out of bounds, and and even if he had went in for a touchdown, there's no way, I mean, mathematically, two scores, you'd have to let up a kick return for a touchdown and an onside kick and whatever. So there was a very slim chance that anything would have happened, but he made that very unselfish decision to run out of bounds so we could kneel and, and end the game. So for me, Minka, balls of steel, very deserving. It was great to see him show up for a game. I think he might have been, you can correct me if I'm wrong here if you have it, I think he was the highest rated PFF player on the Steelers or close to the top. So really good game for Minka. Yeah, yeah, he was really close to the top. I don't think he was the top. Oh, he might have actually been the top, yeah. But he, uh, just to give you some more stats to back you up, I mean, yeah, he had a 92 PFF grade, which is awesome. He had a 91.8 coverage grade, so he actually had 24 snaps where he covered, was in coverage, and he only gave up 21 yards allowed mm-hmm. and had a 47.2 passer rating allowed. I mean, that's pretty impressive out of out of your safety. Um, and I feel like Mink has been kind of – I feel like he hasn't been that big of a player quiet. for us. Yeah. yeah, quiet's a good word um, recently, and he finally was able to put his, his stamp on the game. So I, I was – very happy to see that. And I loved his comment after the game that uh, he knows that he maybe upset some fantasy teams or yeah. fa- fantasy players, but he doesn't really care. All he cares about is W's. So, so that was pretty cool to see um, with that. Yeah. I'll go to my, my balls of steel player of the week and, and he didn't do anything crazy, but I got to give the guy some love and, and there's some reason behind that, but Connor Hayward's going to get it for me. He had one catch on the one target. It was the 17 yard touchdown pass. And, I thought it was a really good catch, um, mm-hmm. and and I, it's it's awesome to see him get his first career touchdown, especially in Atlanta where where he grew up and his dad Iron Ironhead Ironhead Hayward, um, they went to his grave before the game. Him and his brother Cam, and, and you know they they saw him and, and sat there and talked for a while, and then he comes out and had a touchdown. And if you look at the overlay between the two, his dad's first touchdown catch was very, very similar seam down the middle. So it was really cool to see that. And on top of that, Connor Hayward actually was the highest graded tight end in the NFL this week at 91.6. Pratt Firemuth was right behind him at 91.1. But so Connor Hayward didn't do a whole lot in the passing game. And, you know, the numbers don't look that great. But I thought he he made a really big play there to, to help our team out. He had a, a good game. So want to give him some love. Yeah, really great story behind it. It was good to see Connor Hayward get involved. I mean, I think, honestly, I, I didn't know what to expect in the preseason, but he made some pretty darn big plays in the preseason. And, uh, you know, I, I think he could shape up to be a pretty vital uh, part of our offense at some point. I mean, he's clearly a the second passing tight end, right? Zach Gentry, yeah. not that. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's you know, I, I like that pick for uh, – for Connor Hayward. That's a good one. Um, let's talk a little bit just about while we're here on the offense, some of the other receivers, because the big story here was with Pickens, um, you know, not really getting involved. And I'm, I'm going to give my Jag off of the week right now, just to Deontay Johnson. And I'm just very frustrated with Deontay Johnson. <laughs> um, all I have down here written is that he had 11 targets and five catches. I don't know how many yards he had. I think it was 60 yards. 60. All right. Yep. If you have double the targets that you have catches, either your quarterback is just overthrowing you like none other, or you're just dropping the ball or 
maybe you're you're getting defended very well. And I don't think that two of those were the case. I think Deontay Johnson had a number of drops in this game and it was frustrating to see him. I mean, I think based on the last game and now this game, we're kind of forcing him the ball, trying to get him involved. I think he quite frankly might be a, a little bit of a hothead, potentially a locker room issue. I mean, we've seen that from him. So I'm frustrated with Deontay Johnson. Just as he's frustrated, I want him to do well. He's a stud wide receiver. He gets very open on the routes that he runs. Um, But I'd really like to see Pickens get more involved um, and just kind of take over that role. Um, I'm frustrated with Deontay Johnson. And so just for that stat line there, he's going to get my jag off of the week. Yeah, and – I'll have to play the other side on this. I, I think you're saying we're forcing the ball to Deontay Johnson. I think we have to. Um, and the reasoning for that is because of the stat line that you're talking about, George Pickens. George Pickens had two targets all game. Yeah. And from what I've seen with people who have watched film, it wasn't like George Pickens was running wide open all game and, and Kenny Pickett was missing him. Sure, I think Kenny probably missed him a couple times, but that's not how it was all game because – the Falcons were were game planning to take away George Pickens. And, and that's a problem. He's the number one guy now. So that's going to happen. And that's where we need a guy like Deontay Johnson to start stepping up and, and starting to get the ball more and being dangerous and making teams fear him. And that's where I think they do kind of need to force him the ball. They need to get everybody's radar back on Deontay so they can't just take away George Pickens. Um, Deontay needs to be better as a player. I completely agree with that. But I think that we need to continue to show that Deontay is a good receiver and that should be able to help George Pickens uh, maybe maybe get open more. So That's George fair. Pickens was, was a consideration for me for, for Jagoff of the week just because of his outburst on the sideline. Yep. Um, but, but as Mike Tomlin said in his press conference, Mike, and I give Mike Tomlin a lot of credit for, for downplaying it, that's the kind of player we want, though. We want somebody who's – he's not like yelling at Kenny – and saying, Kenny, give me the ball. He is saying, give me the ball, but he's he's competitive and he wants to play and he, he right. wants to he wants to make an impact and help the team. And, and so at, at this point, I don't think it's a detriment to the team. Um, so I'm not going to give him jag off all the week. I think it's a I think it's good for us and it's a good energy to bring to the team. But my jag off on the team is going to be on the offense, so we can stick here with that. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it to Dan Moore, our left tackle. Mm. Um, nothing crazy to to make it make me give it to him, but I think this is a long time coming. He had one false start penalty this week, but that gives him nine for 65 yards penalties for the year, which is actually 12 and a half percent of the penalties Wolf. on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the off, the rest of the offensive line only has 14 total penalties. He, he's just, I feel like every week somebody's blowing by him multiple times throughout the mm-hmm. game and it's just getting free shots on Kenny and, and, it's kind of frustrating, and I think it's really putting a spotlight on what our biggest draft need is, and it has to be a left tackle or some kind of tackle to, to replace him. So I'm going to give my, my jag off of the week to, to Dan Moore this week. Good pick. We'll see what happens with that draft pick. I mean, this win, as we know, puts us a little bit further into the, the picking round, um, you know, a little bit later of a pick. The good news is the Bears lost again. So the Bears probably still retaining that second pick in the, the second round. So we'll have yeah. good draft capital. And and like we talked about last week, and we'll talk about this in you know, some of our later episodes as the season winds down. Offensive line, cornerback, we'll get there. 
we're seeing some improvement. I'm going to plant a little seed here for you, Polt. Okay. Not this year, but I think it's I think next year. Yeah. You remember when we had the killer bees, right? Ben, A, B, Le'Veon Bell. This generation of Steelers is the killer peas. Pickens, Pickett, and Pat Fryermuth. You heard it here first. The killer peas. <laughs> Maybe we change that word killer, but the peas. They're they're there. And and that's gonna be the pushing peas. Yeah, we'll see. Pushing peas, I don't know. <laughs> We'll, we'll get a word in front of that. But for now, it's going to be the killer piece. And uh, I like it. We'll see how it develops. I think it's going to get better and better. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. And I think uh, Najee Harris is going to have something to say about that, too. So we're going to have to try to find him in a, a P name somehow. Yeah, all right. We'll, we'll see where he fits in. All right, anything else you want to cover before we do a little bit of a preview for the Ravens game? Yeah, yeah. There actually was a couple of things with more with the offense and defense, if, uh, if you don't mind. I yeah, just wanted to touch on that. I, I, we keep talking about this run game, but we did have 37 runs for 154 yards, and Najee Harris put up 86 yards again, um, and with Benny Snell contributing 24. I, I just think the the running game looks so much better. The offensive line seems to be blocking pretty well against the run. So I just wanted to point out those stats. Great to see Najee continue to, to just carry the rock really, really well. Um, so I'm happy about that. On the defensive side, I just wanted to bring up a few things. I don't know what you thought. I feel like the secondary still just seems to be giving up so many easy passes. And and a lot of the times it, to me, it seems like Levi Wallace is the one in coverage. And, and I, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I, I just multiple times throughout that game, they just looked like they were sitting back and there was nobody within five yards of receivers. Drake London was running wide open all game. And, and I don't know. I don't. I don't like seeing that. It doesn't make me. It doesn't make me feel really good moving forward against some of these pass happy teams like the Raiders and yeah, and Browns. Yeah, I think we've caught a lucky break some of these past few games playing some washed up quarterbacks, right? Andy Dalton, yeah. um, Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota. I mean, these guys aren't known. I don't want to use threats, but you know, they're not your Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and folks who might thread a needle more so than some some others will so right you know we're going to benefit here from our schedule and you know playing tyler huntley next week um instead of lamar jackson lamar jackson but um that's definitely going to be something where we need to address uh you know next year yeah for sure and then just the two other topics to just hit on real quick with the defense uh our defensive line i mean the numbers aren't that bad against us we gave up uh what was it 28 carries for 146 yards against one of the top running teams in the league but our defensive line just did not have a good week if you look at the pff grades which again take pff with a grain of salt but cam hayward was the only one graded above 70 and then from there we had three guys under 35 pff grade and and demarvin liao was at 53 and chris warmly at 61.4 our d line is just not looking good tyson alulu if you've seen videos is getting destroyed off the ball it sucks because he's a nice guy great guy and a great teammate but he's just looks like he's running his course on his career and okajobi didn't have his best game so i think that's an area of concern for the team uh moving forward a lot of turnover or a lot of potential turnover at, at that um position group next year yeah yeah they need to get younger and and just probably more talented there i think d-line is definitely a big thing in the draft yeah and we, we gotta see i mean this was demarvin leo's first game back right and it was great to see him come back for sure so you know and, and he's proven to be a force to be reckoned with so 
um, hopefully improvement there. And, you know, you get coaching from, from other guys in that room. And, and I think he's going to be someone who helps lead our team or lead that defensive line moving forward. But yeah, it's a, it's a good point to bring up with the defensive line in terms of, I would say just not meeting the expectations that we had. Yes. Agreed. And then the other thing is you got to give credit where credit's due. And I'm, I'm going to give him credit when he plays well. Uh, Devin Bush in the linebacking core, he's really seemed to solidify his role there this year. This week he played 87% of the snaps. Miles Jack played 76 and Robert Spillane was back and played 24%. But, but the big thing is I think Devin Bush has been a lot better than we're giving him credit for, or we're just not talking about it. Since the bye, his QB rating when, when he's targeted in, in the passing game is, is 81.8, which is, is just pretty good rating for a, a defensive player. And he's only giving up 4.1 yards per attempt. In, to, to give a comparison to that, Miles Jack, who we raved about early in the year, is has a 147.2 QB rating against wow. and a 9.8 yard per average or yard per attempt, which is not very good. Now, I think Miles Jack is definitely being uh, ailed by, by his knee injury that he suffered earlier in the season. So I don't think he's playing his best football, but Devin Bush seems to have stepped up. So I love seeing that. Wanted to give him a little bit of a shout out there, and and I hope he just continues to get better and, and you know makes himself some money, whether it's with us or, or elsewhere. Yeah, well deserved. Maybe you know we might do one of those Terrell Edmonds type deals with with Devin Bush. You know, a, a one prove it, one year prove it deal. Um, yeah. Otherwise, and, I don't know if we're going to retain. And it, look but. how that paid paid off for Edmonds. So yeah. So so we'll see what happens there. All right, let's. I'm good to go though. That okay. that that was it. All right, cool. Let's let's transition here into a preview. Wrap things up. Um, as Mike Tomlin says, this is AFC North football. Um, these are some of the best games, but they're also some of the most, I don't know, cringeworthy, heartbreaking, you name it. I mean, whatever adjective you want to come up with, these these are tough games to watch. Um, you know, if, if history tells us anything, this is probably going to be a low-scoring, you know, lots of field goals, not many touchdown games against, against the Ravens. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give my side of the week here really quickly, and I know you have, you know, the, the offensive and defensive numbers. Um I looked at our last 14 games against the Ravens. So this goes back to two games each season since 2015. 11 of those 14 games have been one score games. Wow. Really, really close games. Um, like they always seem to be with the Ravens. Um, you know, we're, we're getting a little bit of a benefit of the doubt here, not playing Lamar Jackson who injured his knee last week. So we're going to get the backup quarterback Tyler Huntley, who we faced um, last year, I believe it was an overtime win that we had against them when he played. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I'll let you lead in with with some of the stats here. Yeah, it was a uh, it was actually week eighteen last year. I just pulled it up. Um, we won sixteen to thirteen at Baltimore. Um, but that is good because we now will have the. It's it's not like we've never played the guy. So <laughs> so so that would be really good for us. Um, just looking at the team as a whole, though, the Ravens. Yeah, their their offense. It's a pretty good offense. Tyler Huntley is in a huge step down from Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson is a much better player, but the offense seems to be running the ball a lot better now. Um, they're, they're 12th in points scored, 14th in, in total offense, third in rushing offense, and, and 26th in passing offense. So the passing game has been struggling, but we know Tyler Huntley can run the ball, and, and it sounds like J.K. Dobbins could potentially play. Um, so that might be something interesting to watch out for. On the flip side, the Ravens D, they've they struggled a lot early in the year, but have been significantly better as of late. They're ninth in points allowed, um, thirteenth in total defense, second in rush defense, and twenty-fifth in pass defense. So it looks like a game kind of like we we've talked about that Kenny might need to 
might need to carry the team and, and take, carry the team through the passing game. We might be, get stuffed in the run, run game, but hopefully not. Hopefully we can continue to, to grow our running attack and, and put up some yards. Yeah, big game in the AFC North. I'm waiting to see, as I think all of us are, Kenny's breakout game, play a full four quarters and, and have, you know, a 300-yard, three-touchdown passing game. I, I am hesitant to say or think that it would happen in this game. Um, but this should be a good way to do it. This is how you gain the trust of all the all the Steelers fans in in the world. Just go beat the Ravens and, and shine against them. So this is the way to do it. So let's see. For sure. All right, man. Well, we'll be looking forward to it. As always, thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Peace, everyone.